0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Train to Endure, a dialogue around the interconnection between faith, sport, and life. I'm your co host, Abby Kruger.
1: And I'm your co-host, Matt Margarone. The subject of our podcast today is about loss, and loss specifically as it relates to sports. We're gonna take a look at all different types of loss in the midst of sports, whether that's injury, whether that's playing time, whether that's uh, changing teams or moving away, Whether that's the end of a season or a career, or even in the midst of this season, losing complete seasons um, and what that looks like, just having to practice, not being able to play. Um, And so today we're going to be hearing from Elizabeth Perkins Bounds.
2: Elizabeth Bounds, yeah, legal, uh, got that legal. Set up now in the eyes of the Lord and the eyes of the government. I am Elizabeth Marie Bounds.
1: <laughs> is that just in the state of Texas or is that?
2: Oh no, that was uh, that's social security. Like, I am
1: it's all. Did you change your middle name too? My wife changed her middle name
2: right now. I kept the middle name I was given at birth and just dropped my maiden name, which is a sad thing, pertinent okay. to loss for sure, but also yeah. just a part of it all.
1: Hey everybody, uh, excited that you're here uh, with us today to talk about loss in sport. And loss is literally defined as having something or someone leave or be taken away from you. A feeling of grief when something is gone. Again, it's defined as having something or someone leave or being taken away from you. In sport, athletes experience loss in so many different ways, Uh, whether that's an injury, whether that's being cut from a team, whether that's having a career come to a close, or even in this season, we've lost teams and sports altogether. Most of us, well, actually all of us at some point will experience loss in sport. It is a guarantee. But today we're gonna look at how we can deal with that loss in relation to faith, and how we can actually endure uh, and come out stronger and more well-prepared for life, relationships, and faith in God uh, as a part of that process.
0: As Matt mentioned earlier, today we're joined by Elizabeth Bounds, a.k.a. Perks, Perkins. Um, Perks is former Flying Dutchman, uh, member of the women's basketball and soccer teams here at Hope. She's also a fellow Lancy Christian alum. Go Grims.
1: What is, what is the Grims? <laughs>
0: pilgrims.
2: Oh, the pilgrims. Yeah. Nice. Plymouth
0: Rock. <laughs> Before it was
2: blue and orange. It was black and gold. Oh yes. <laughs> it was.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perks is someone who's definitely left just an incredible legacy, not only in her play and the things she's done on the field or on the court, but even more importantly, the things and um, the legacy she's left off the field and off the court. And yeah, she's been a great source of encouragement for me, um, specifically related to loss. And yeah, we're just excited to have the chance to chat today. So,
1: yeah. And Elizabeth, tell us a little bit uh, what your title is now, where you're at. Yeah.
2: yeah, thanks so much for having you guys. Thanks for the kind words, too. Um, always a joy to be, be with fellow Hope folks. Um, my title now is that I work for Baylor University's seminary, specifically in our Faith and Sports Institute. Um, And I assist in the department of our online programming, meaning we we offer online certificate courses and other online resources. Um, And then also I will be our high school youth retreat director um, coming up this summer. So, yeah, that's my title now, my work title.
1: That's cool. You've also been a coach as well in some capacity. So
2: I, following Hope, um, earned my Master's of Divinity from Baylor's seminary. And while I was a graduate student, I was on staff with Baylor Women's Soccer in the volunteer assistant role. Um, that That was two and a half years. And so that was really, really cool for me to be living out and practicing in a sports context all of the theological ministry academics that I was learning in the classroom like it was really good for me to have like foot in the locker room foot in the classroom to be processing that and just the program is really really solid so yes Baylor soccer
0: that's awesome Awesome. um could you also just share a little bit about um Your athletic background, what that looked like at Hope, even?
2: Came to Hope, playing basketball. Um, I played, I was on the basketball team for four years and then um, decided to also play soccer starting my sophomore year. So basketball team for four years, soccer team for three years, and I am you know, like we're talking about loss, so I'll be honest, like it wasn't all just completely roses and amazing all of the time. Like there are hard things about playing both, um, but I loved it and I truly felt like I was a college kid with recess. I loved I love both coaching staffs, both programs, both groups of teammates, both games. So I, I loved being able to compete just for both those programs and both those sports. Um yeah. People ask me which one's my favorite and I still tell them, obviously I couldn't decide. So <laughs> That's awesome.
1: That's just not to offend any of your coaches or teammates, I think, a little bit. I'm just messing with you. No, So, no. it's hard to decide, right? I, I was a soccer player, but I actually love basketball more than I love soccer. That's like my passion and my heart is basketball, but I played soccer probably because I wasn't as good as you were at basketball, so that's probably part of it. But that's going to be interesting to play for two different cultures two different teams uh even the the seasons run into each other a little bit the end of soccer season kind of goes into the beginning of and so you miss some of the training camp talk a little bit about what that was like to be a two-sport athlete at such a competitive college
2: it was again physically tiring but really filling for me because i loved it i like the grind quite a bit and i like competing a lot so it was, it was definitely worth it. And it was really fun. The overlap was really tough just because the, the, you know, the better you do in soccer, the later I am to basketball. And really like as soon as soccer was done again, to talk about loss, like I didn't really process the end of soccer season. Like I had to jump in head first and be all in very present for basketball season. Cause the end of a season's hard. It's sad. Um, Cause you know, all teams but one, you know, and with a lot, like literally losing. So didn't have a lot of time to process that, you know, outside of myself with people had to do a lot of that on my own, but was able to just put my head down and jump in right away to basketball.
0: Yeah. Um, what did some of that look like for you even? Yeah. Processing things on your own. I don't know, like having, having to be so on, not being able to necessarily take that time you needed, what did that kind of look like as you did begin to process? Right,
2: right. Well, you know, good teammates put the needs of the team for their own and good teammates um, are able to see the long game and the big picture just beyond their own individual circumstance. And so really, it just was a lot of, okay, like I'm going to process my personal stuff between me, God, and maybe just my inner circle, um, which would include probably just parents and like roommates. Um, But then like when I'm with my basketball team, I'm going to have to put, (laughs) I got to just put the team for myself and I have to fake it till I make it. Like I have to if I'm not excited, like I have to choose to behave that way, even if my inside isn't reflecting that because that's what the team needs. So, I mean, that's one instant, right? Like if I'm grieving the end of my soccer season and inside, like, I remember, I remember showing up to my first basketball practice after we, we lost in soccer and like, I'm like getting my ankles taped in the training room. Like I am crying, like, Tanya AT is like knows (laughs) where I'm at. And I'm like, I got to get myself together. Cause when I step on the court, like I need to give energy to my team. I can't take it. So, I mean, so that happened in my own personal transition, but that's the same thing that happens with injuries, right? Like any athlete who's in season on a team knows when you're injured, you got to show up and you got to be there for the team which is a a tough burden to carry, especially when your sport is so much of your life. But that is what it means to be a good teammate is you have to put the team's needs before your own. And what the team needs is energy givers, not energy suckers.
1: That's a really cool line. Um, So much good stuff in there. You know, one of the gifts of being an athlete, as you talked about, that is the ability and the have to to move forward. You have to kind of keep going. Uh, and that is a gift. And it's something that trains us in life, in relationships, in our faith. Uh, that's a training that is is good. So I'm struggling, but I can rely on other people to help me and I can rely on the the common vision of what we're going for moving forward to help me through this. Um, Maybe the consequence of that is not being present to what's really going on inside uh, of you. And so um, I don't know. What's your thoughts on that a little bit?
2: I think that compartmentalization is a really good sports performance enhancer, but a completely terrible way to live. Mm -hmm. So when I talk about like, you got to fake it till you make it and you got to put the team's needs above yourself, like those are things that you do in a context for a group of people for like a set start date, end time period of time. But that's not how you should live your whole life for sure. Right. So like compartmentalization is just one example of like a sports performance enhancer that I do, like when I step on the field to compete and train, whether it's a game or training, like, okay, I'm going to forget about the boyfriend that just broke up with me, or I'm going to forget about the exam that I bombed 20 minutes ago, or I'm going to forget that I like, not going to forget, but I'm going to not dwell on the fact that I'm actually just here on crutches and said, I am going to behave in the way that I know I should behave, even if I'm not feeling that way. And so that, you know, that's a performance enhancer. And it is a selfless act of giving from an individual for their group, for their team. But you're, I totally agree with you, Matt. Like it's not how you live. Like that's not how you live the full scope of your life. Like people got to feel things. So, I mean, you hear me say like the brave and selfless thing to do is to put on a happy face and be there for your team. But what I'm also going to say with that, the even braver thing to do is to take your mask off and be authentic and vulnerable for yourself and with God when practice is done and you go home. Like you have to process your stuff at some point. It just can't be probably during practice. Now it happens. Like people have stuff that goes on and whatever people cry, people have breakdowns, been there, done that, seen it all. But as a general rule, like when you are a part of a team and you're saying, okay, the team's needs are bigger than my own. When I show up and I'm there with my team, that's who I'm, I'm doing it for. And then when I go home, I got to process my stuff so that the next day I can go back and be there for my team again. So I definitely think we need to feel all of our stuff. Like we got to feel our feelings. Feelings are like feelings need movement. Feelings have to be felt, or else they won't go away. Actually, like feelings have to move through us. So again, like let's say I've got this feeling, like I just bombed my tests. I'm I have this negative feeling. I'm showing up to practice. Okay, I need to compartmentalize for the sake of my team. I I'm in the soccer program we call it separate act from feel. Like even if I feel a way, I'm gonna choose how I want to act. But then later. I got to make sure I give that feeling permission to move through me so that it can be done with, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it makes a a ton of sense. And it, it kind of plays into uh, performance a bit, uh, as you talk about that, And, and it can be both positive and negative, the ability to compartmentalize allows you to perform at a high level during that place but if you leave that for too long uh, that's going to affect performance in the long term because you're not aware of your whole body and what's going on and you're not present in w- how your emotions are impacting you uh, and that definitely plays into kind of the next question that Abby had related to your story which is loss and how did you personally process loss so yeah
0: yeah yeah I think you you've already mentioned some like even just being a double athlete, um, having seasons end, things like that. Um, I know there's more related to injury and otherwise, um, to your story. So would you mind just kind of sharing, sharing a little bit of that, what that looked like for you?
2: Yeah. Loss within sports. I mean, it's different for everyone. Really two main themes come to my mind when I think about loss that I've experienced in in sport. When I was in high school, um, that basketball coach that I talked about who really inspired me to want to play basketball, he passed away suddenly the summer between my freshman and sophomore year of high school. And so that for me was really the first loss of a figure in my life. Um, that I had had so far Um, and for me that loss was loss of a mentor and it was really loss of belief like it was loss of belief that our team was going to make it it was a loss of belief in myself because he was a real inspiration to me someone who just really believed in me and inspired me and so like I did not know how to handle that loss. Like I, how old was I? I was like 15, 14, maybe like, I did not know how to handle that loss. Um, so like, how did I handle it? I probably would just say like, I didn't, or I just kind of like had to wait it out basically and let it run, let it run its course. Um, I did see a counselor. I saw a counselor, um, to just kind of deal with the grief and sadness that I, was feeling from that loss, and that was that was helpful. Um, and another thing that I think that helped with that is just not sitting in it. Like you're in high school, you're like doing like you know, soccer season came after that. It was in the spring for high school soccer players um, for female high school soccer players in Michigan. Soccer's in the spring, so it was like okay, I have to I have to move on, sort of thing. Um, so that's the first real loss that I experienced in my life and within sports was, was really like the loss of that mentor and then a loss of belief in myself for sure. And I really could only recover that when I learned um, how to find a healthier source of belief in myself that didn't come from outside myself, but really just came from inside myself. And that was something I had to, work towards um towards my later years in in high school um the second theme of loss in sports for me was definitely injuries I had a lot of injuries in college like I feel like if you knew me in college you knew that I had a lot of um really unlucky injuries like I broke my right hand and my left hand not at the same time but just fluke things in basketball i like absolutely blew out my ankle in soccer once and then more minor sprains, other moments. Um, and then I, you know, had a just college career ending injury, um, during senior basketball season when I, when I did, when I had just a big knee injury, like ACL, MCL, lateral meniscus kind of thing. So, so I, so loss through injury was like a huge just part of it's a huge part of my whole life but definitely the way I think about college sports in general so how did I I mean gosh how did I deal with that Um, not well all the time like sometimes I just don't know if I knew what to do with my feelings because when you're an injured athlete you just are so angry that you are unable to contribute and then you feel guilty that you're feeling that way because you know you're supposed to like the way you're supposed to feel is just supportive and encouraging and joyful and um you know always positive for your team and so you feel like shame for not feeling the way you know intellectually that you're supposed to feel Um, and then there's like all these weird things too of like oh, like my body hurts. And like, as I'm injured, my body's changing. And like, which is a huge thing for female athletes. So I would say the biggest ways that I dealt with my loss in college was like, I just could not have done it without Jesus. And I say that tentatively because slapping a Jesus bandaid on someone's hurt is like a really bad idea. Like that's not necessarily the most helpful thing all of the time. Um, but for me, like I had to reckon with my identity, my purpose, my motivations. Um, and I had to figure out, yeah, I just had so many questions. Like I had to figure out how to serve my team without scoring goals i had to figure out how to be a leader on my basketball team while sitting on the sideline i had to learn that as a human being i had more to offer god and the world than just my athletic performance like there are so many moments where i was just like god i could give you so much more glory on the field or like god I don't even know like how to worship you without sweating. I don't think, and so I had to look inside myself and learn that I was a holistic being with with more gifts and potential to offer the world than just sports. And also, I had to find these other ways to connect with God and worship Him when I wasn't able to be physically competing and sweating because that was definitely my my favorite way to connect with and worship God. And when I didn't have that, it was like oh, I already felt far away from you, Lord, because I'm mad at you. And now I can't even really like live out the way I thought you made me to be. So just all around I'm mad. So (laughs) I had a lot of just a lot of processing, a lot of big questions that I had to work through. And I'm just so thankful that so thankful that like when we're unfaithful or lacking in faith, like God is so consistently faithful cause that's just who he is. Yeah.
1: Wow. You said so much good stuff in there. And you're talking a lot about loss. And one of the things that um, you gained during that time was friendships with the athletic trainers with how much time you spent in (laughs) there. You gained some friendships. You know them by name. Uh, They saw you a lot with a broken right hand and left hand, ankle, knee. I mean... Wow, what a gift they are to people. Seriously, The though.
0: trainers loved you. Like, I
2: <laughs> got to know them because I knew you, so. <laughs> you guys, you guys, I cannot, I cannot even tell you. Okay, this is what well, I'm just going to take this moment to give a shout out to Tanya Grippin, Meg Friends, Tim Camberna, and Bill Winters. Because without those individuals, I, I just wouldn't be here mentally. Mm-hmm. Like, there were so many times where I'd be in the weight room like trying to do rehab and like rep things out and just break down and just like walk into Tanya's office and sit down and cry and be like, I can't, I'm never going to walk again without pain. So, I mean, I, whenever, I just think, yeah, athletic trainers and physical therapists are they put me back together, mind, body, spirit. Like it was not just physical rehab (laughs) for me. It was there were for sure spiritual components. So yes, I am indebted. Lifelong indebted, eternally indebted to whole <laughs> athletic training. I, I can business, you might say. They're the reason. I'm the reason they were employed. Maybe. You
1: <laughs> say. I resonate with that. My junior year, I I had three concussions in college. It was a little bit different time. You could still play. We won't talk about that. But like I I'm thankful for my. I remember I I I had a crack in one of my in my spine. And like I broke my back a little bit uh, I got an MRI and so I played through that but like after every game I w- and in class I'd have to wear one of those stim so I'd be sitting there and then I would take muscle relaxers and my athletic trainers like during that whole season just to keep me going and to keep me uh, not yelling at everyone out of just sheer pain and anger is just amazing but yeah so what you lost in uh, playing time you gained in friends and relationships so that's that's fun but you said so much in there that was so good uh abby did you have any thing that like stuck out specifically that you wanted to kind of process and speak more on
0: yeah i think i mean one thing you talked about and one thing we talk about a ton on the soccer team is like finding your role and living into your role and yeah when you're injured or maybe not experiencing the playing time you want whatever your role will probably look different than you want or when you're a senior captain and you can't play for your team, your role is, is so different. So yeah, the importance of finding and living into that, but also, like you said, um, it comes down to identity. And if that isn't found and grounded in the Lord, like, yeah, I don't even know how to, you would begin to process because yeah, with everything else changing, like that is the constant through that. And yeah, as your role changes, as your body changes and all those things, like that has to be the ground grounding in which we go back to. So I love how you mentioned that, like deeper rooting your identity and yeah. And finding that through that process.
2: This is what I'll say about roles, about finding your role on your team, right? Finding, finding your role, embracing your role on your team is the easiest thing in the world when you're the starter, right? Like, it's so easy for me to just be all about my role and embrace it and execute and just be all about it when I'm starting and playing 90 minutes. But then when I don't, the question is like, how do I embrace my role when I don't like my role? And this is for sure something that I learned while playing. I I didn't start um, right away, like freshman, sophomore year on the basketball team, and I I struggled with that spiritually and mentally. And it was a lesson that I had to learn of, like, how do I wanna respond to this? Like, am I gonna let this defeat me? Am I just gonna be like a bummer, bitter victim who's just mad and like blames people? Or am I going to respond and say, okay, like how can I be an angel for change, my own life, my own situation? Because here's the thing, like this—that was not the first time in my life that I'm going to be disappointed by something. Definitely not. Like that's not the first time in my life, and I'm not going to get what I want. So I would just say, athletes, like how to embrace your role when you don't like your role. Control what you can control. Contribute what you can contribute and grow in virtue learning how to deal with not getting what you want now because you for sure are not going to get every single thing that you want for the rest of your life so yeah abby i that resonates It's something that almost every athlete has to learn at some point
1: point. and it you know as you talked about that and you were talking about embracing your role for a lifetime and at some point you know for high level athletes it, in colleges Potentially, maybe some of the first time you experience it. Sometimes it's in high school. There's a player at your same position that's just a a stud or uh, it could be an injury. It could be all sorts of things outside of your control that kind of impact it. Um, But in life, it happens all the time. It's happening to each of us right now. Uh, In faith, it happens to us. How do we embrace our role where we're at in our life? Like, is this what I wanted 2020 to look like? Is this what I wanted um, this year of my schooling to look like? Is this what I wanted my career to look like? And I'm here and I have this boss or I have this coach or I have this professor. And, and so learning to embrace is a life lesson um, and a faith lesson that is incredibly important. And so perhaps um, some of those things are actually better formational tools um, for us in life than just being the star the entire time. Uh, Cause they prepare us for what life is actually like. Um, so I don't know, that's just a thought that I was ha- having, uh, you know, Jesus says in John, in this world, you will have trouble. This is a promise in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart for I've overcome the world. And I love that line of take heart because taking heart is kind of saying, okay, there is a reality that loss will happen. There is a reality that things are going to come into my life that I don't expect. But how do I respond to it? I have to have a heart. I have to find a purpose in this space. I have to embrace my role, if you will. It's harder in certain situations than other, but I think it prepares us well uh, for what's to come. So, yeah, with that, what, what about, um, I, I'm thinking about this COVID season, right? So this is a totally new kind of, uh, season within sports. So we've got full seasons that are gone. We've got practicing without end of view of competition and games. Uh, we've got people who thought they were going to have a senior season or to be able to play for a national championship or, uh, to be able to play a game without having to wear something over your face while you run. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about what that loss, how how it's impacting maybe all of us um, based on your own experience and what can we do to process that that in the middle of the season?
2: Right. Right, well, I mean, so the definition of loss that you gave at the beginning, Matt, of losing something or someone like something can be an intangible thing of i think that one of the first things that everyone has experienced in the pandemic season is just total loss of expectation mm-hmm. so we we have been grieving our loss expectations for these for this year for a lot of months now we have we have had to grieve the loss of what we thought was gonna happen. Then we had to grieve the loss of normal, the loss of routine, the loss of our our daily normalcy, our daily normal comfort kind of thing. And it's just been, like I would just say, it's really different for everyone and yet difficult for everyone. Um, I know I was really struggling processing a lot of personal loss in the spring, like probably around like March, April, you didn't want to be my friend because I was like a dark cloud and I was doing a lot of journaling, a lot of writing. And I kind of just came to the conclusion and it kind of dawned on me. I think that God just kind of like flicked me on the forehead and was like, Hey, you are bitter. Are you going to stay there? for for how much, how much longer are you gonna stay there until you decide you want to move forward now? And that is a really difficult thing to do because like I knew the theologically correct answer that like I was allowed to have grief and trust simultaneously. like I knew that, but it was really hard for me to to live out and embrace. Um, and so my advice, I mean, gosh, I don't know why anyone really would want my advice, but like, I would just say we have, you have to process the things that you're feeling in order for you to be able to move forward. So like back to like the feelings need movement, like you have to feel it so you can get over it kind of thing. Like we can't bottle it. We can't shove it down because it'll just fester, like mold will grow in that dark place. And so we have to, we have to feel it we have to process it. And then there does, like, there does come kind of like a decision moment of like, do I want to be bitter or do I want to move forward kind of thing? Like, am I gonna stay here or am I gonna take a sort of step forward? Now, now I'm like Matt, I know you know this, and I'm sure so many people listening know, like Elizabeth Kubler-Ross developed the the five stages of grief. Like she wrote a book about death and dying and then they all discovered that, oh, like this whole grieving thing actually just applies to all different sorts of grief. Like first you're in denial, then you're just angry. You like, you bargain about the situation. Then you're really kind of like sad and despair, you're pressed about it. And then finally you reach a stage of acceptance. In all of their empirical research though, that was never a clean line. Almost never. Like that, pattern the journey from start like understanding that you've lost something and beginning your grief to getting to a place of accepting it is super messy and that just needs to be okay and I think right now if we all we all we all know that we're all reckoning with our own different losses we all need to extend grace to each other that's like little ways and big ways so like Okay, that lady was really rude at the grocery store. Like, am I going to make, you know, an attributional judgment about her or a situational judgment about her? Like, is it cuz she just has awful character or is it because it's 2020? Like, am I how am I going to respond to to the little things and the big things, I think. So, I mean, my heart my heart breaks for for Hope athletes, I can't even say, like I had a, a friend ask me back in March when um, when the women's basketball team heard that their season ended. I had a friend ask me like, okay, what's worse? Like you only blowing out your knee and like your season ending and having to like watch your team keep playing or or everyone's season ending. And I was like, oh my gosh. Obviously the latter, like this is, I can't even, I can't even imagine like the whole team, um, just what so many division three, division three athletes. And I guess just all athletes, um, in our country right, right now and then the spring and everything like that, that is a significant loss. So I, I really, my heart does break for those athletes, um, And I like I wish I wish peace for them and I wish peace for our country, too. So those are I mean, just a couple. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's so good.
1: One of the things that I want Abby to jump in here, too. But one of the things uh, that I think of as you were talking about just this extreme amount of loss that's happening right now. And and to go back to what you were saying earlier about compartmentalization, uh, what happens when the compartment just bursts? <laughs> I mean, the amount of loss is so big that you can't even fit it in a compartment. That, that's kind of where we're at, I feel like. There's just loss. You're talking about expectation. And then, you know, school is not what it is. And normal's not what it is. And relationships aren't what it is. And we can't even get close enough to someone to be in relational intimacy. I mean, there's so much loss that's happening every day, that your compartment bursts and how do you move forward in, in, in the middle of that. And that, that leads us to these five stages of grief. Right. And so this leads us to, uh, allowing yourself to both trust and move forward and grieve at the same time, which is what you were talking about. Um, but at the same time, and I, I had it this spring too, which is so, so, uh, I'm thankful for your vulnerability. Like, oh my gosh, I'm ticked. I'm bitter. I'm angry. I'm not Okay. I'm just not okay. And being able to say I'm not okay, like I was not okay. I was really down. I, there were days that I woke up and I just wanted to go back to bed. And then there were days that I was motivated and I would work and I would do stuff and it would be okay. But then another day would come and I'd be like, this is just so hard. I I, I don't like this the way it is. But over time I had to surround myself with people. I found that I needed to wake up in the morning, get into my Bible, drink my coffee, start to read about things that are true and right, and, and and live into what God was kind of calling me into in the middle of this moment. But this is a long suffering, we're in the middle of it, and we're enduring. This is why we named the podcast "Trained to Endure, is because the idea of endurance is something that. Uh, the lord wants us to train for and we do it in athletics but maybe in our spiritual and relational and emotional life we haven't done it enough and so maybe this is an opportunity to do that how about you abby any thoughts on what she's talking about with loss and COVID season
0: yeah i think just one big marker of this season for me i mean especially spiritually is just learning to surrender um just to such a greater extent like surrendering expectations, especially, it's been a big one, um, but just, like, more deeply learning to trust the Lord through this, um, and I also love what you said earlier, Perks, just about extending grace to others, and um, that made me think of, from Second Corinthians, and a lot of us are familiar with it, but in Second Corinthians 12, 9-10 says, "'But you said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness.'" Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, and in hardships, and persecutions and difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And just yeah, the idea of delighting in in weakness and hardship is so just counter everything we we know and everything yeah, that we think.
2: Well, it's counter it's counter to what we want like grief and pain is counter comfort which doesn't make sense to most people but you know who it actually should make the most sense to athletes like you go in the weight room and like what like you're trying to add more weight like that is like actually the goal like there's other things like whatever cardiovascular and and mobility and i'm sorry it's not my field but like you go in there and you're like I want to add more weight. Like throw more weight on so that I can get stronger kind of thing. Like what happens when you have zero resistance at all? You atrophy. Mm-hmm. So like humans like we are not we are not weak in the sense of like come like consistent comfort actually isn't good for us like we will just atrophy like we do need at least some level of resistance and like you know that's why you train in sports and that's why you practice spiritual disciplines in in your faith and and while following christ to enable you to follow christ so it doesn't you know like no one wants pain this is this is nothing that i learned. Like I will never forget like uh, when I realized this in college of like I had some injury and someone told me something encouraging, like really good intention of like something, probably like James won something or other of like, hey, like you'll grow like perseverance and endurance and faith and like all this great stuff. like pain is just so it I basically was like, if pain and suffering is so great, why do we never actually seek it until we have it kind of thing? I was like, no, no one ever talks about how awesome it is to suffer until you're in the middle of it. And so I think that frames for us two things. One, it frames how we're viewing our current suffering. And then it also view, it frames how we pursue growth when life's going awesome. Like what, Like what elements of discipline, like what practices, of discipline in my life, whether it's spiritual or physical, um, am I going to pursue if I really do believe that growth comes from resistance and pain and suffering?
1: Oh, man, that's good. I mean, just those two points are, are beautiful, both what are we doing in the midst of the suffering and then when we're not in that place, right, when things return to normal, what does growth and what are we actually pursuing in our lives? That's such a uh, interesting thing to think about. I think uh, for a lot of us, and I think our world tells us this, our culture tells us this, but we also idolize it, in, is, is this idea of comfort. The more comfortable I am, the more successful I am. The more life is easy, the better life will be for me. But I think that's an, that is it's counterintuitive and it's counterproductive. Like you said about an athlete, yeah. What's that? Countercultural. Yeah. So I I think that pursuing God means taking up our cross and and being a part of that journey into what life is all about and and that uh do we call on more hardship do we pray for god to bring more suffering more loss to our lives so that we can grow and learn from it i don't know i don't know if i'm going to pursue the hardest things in life there's a part of me that's going to be always drawn towards comfort but at the same time um we should be self aware enough to know. We should always be checking this kind of daily check. What is it that I'm pursuing in life and why am I pursuing that? Um, that kind of gives us a picture of where we're at and where our trajectory is at. Mm-hmm. This is. is any other? No, I, this has been a great conversation on loss. I mean, we're just scratching the surface. I love this last uh, part we're talking about. Um, it's really. Um, Something I'm going to need to go home and think about, you know, something that is I uh, feel like if I'm honest, God's speaking to me in my own life right now as we talk. And uh, it's uh, kind of a holy moment as we talk. So I'm thankful for that visual image of putting on more weight and that that is what athletes and people of faith um, kind of are called. I mean, it's take my yoke upon you. Um, yeah kind of an idea so thank you for coming thank you for joining us in the train to endure podcast today with elizabeth bounds uh, from baylor university this has been just such a gift and so we're glad to have you
2: yeah thanks so much for joining perks oh thanks for having me guys it was fun and it was definitely enriching for me personally as well so thank you
0: Thanks everyone for tuning in to Train to Endure. It was so great to be joined by Elizabeth Bounds today um, and just to hear about her experience with loss in sport and to just grow from her wisdom and the ways that it has played out in her life and in her faith journey. We hope to see you guys next week.